everyone. My name is Marielle, and I am the founder of Travel Experiences Reimagined, the podcast for travel enthusiasts, wanderlusts, and adventure seekers, craving to learn more about tours and excursions from all over the world through the eyes of a new tour guide or host each episode. Hi, everyone. When you think of Venice, what immediately comes to mind? The food, the beautiful streets, the stunning canals, Venice is a beautiful city to visit, explore, and to eat at every single restaurant you can get your hands on. But having a tour guide by your side will make the world of a difference. I'm thrilled to have on today's guest, Lucrezia, who is the founder of Secrets Venice Tours, where she wants you to feel like a local, to experience the true Venice, where she takes you off the beaten path, to create everlasting memories, and to build connections to last a lifetime. Welcome, Lucrezia. Did I miss anything? No, correct. Hi, Mariel. Nice to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely to have you on and so nice to meet you. And so I'd love to start off with every episode, a bit of your background in terms of what jobs have you had? Have you lived other places? Do you speak multiple languages? I'd love to know a bit of your story. Yeah, sure. So, uh, well, I am originally from Venice. Uh, I was born in the northern district of the city, Canaleggio. Uh, but my family actually moved uh, to Mestre on the mainland. It's a little town when I was uh, only five years old. So I basically grew up there. I have studied in Venice, though. Uh, I graduated um, eight years ago already <laughs> in uh, economics of arts and tourism and foreign languages. So I have studied uh, four languages, uh, English, uh, French and Spanish and Russian as well. Well, I've always been passionate about uh, other cultures and learning more about other lifestyle habits. So luckily, I had the chance to travel quite a lot, uh, mainly throughout Europe. While I was studying, I also did some study exchanges and I've lived for a few weeks in the UK, but also in Spain. I stayed in Salamanca for one month which is very close to Madrid, but I also um, traveled to uh, France because I was studying French as well. And I spent one month in Russia, in Moscow, to practice and become a little bit more fluent in Russian as well. Uh, But then actually, after I graduated, uh, I did a lot of different jobs that had nothing to do with my academic career. Uh, So I've been working for a couple of years as a real estate broker, but was not really my cup of tea. And so afterwards I changed and I worked for three years as a sales account for a company that is known as Quandu. It's more or less like open table, uh, European version though. And uh, well, I was not really happy with that job either. So afterwards I started studying to become a tour guide because you need to have a license in Italy to be a tour guide. And so finally in 2017, so Four years ago, uh, I finally got my license and started working as a tour guide full time. So that's a little bit of my background. I love that. And you are just so worldly. And I say that in the best way where you've lived throughout Europe, you speak multiple languages. Traveling to all these places, what led you back home to go back to Venice to say, I want to be a tour guide specifically in Venice? Well, um, the thing is that, you know, living in the same place uh, mm, was kind of a problem for me because, uh, uh, as you said, (laughs) (laughs) I love to travel, love to see different places, knowing different people. But 
the thing is that being a tour guide gives me the chance to show people around my hometown. That is a place that I love and that I feel really connected with, but also meeting people from all over the world and getting to know their stories, their different backgrounds, their cultures is more or less like, you know, not traveling, but anyway, keeping your mind open anyway. And uh, yeah, and giving them the chance to see my hometown through my eyes, I think it's uh, also a good way to uh, provide an authentic experience. So I love that. And it's almost, you know, it's appreciation of where you live too. I know I've had friends come, I live outside of New York mm-hmm. and I've had friends outside of New York come to New York and I'm in New York, right? You know, I, pre-COVID, I used to commute into the city. I used to go out all the time. So I knew the streets, I knew where to go. And so when you're in it every day, you don't appreciate it. But then when somebody new comes and sees it from a new lens, you start to see your city almost in a different way where you say, oh, wow, that's really cool. You've noticed that, or that's really interesting. You see that. So it almost makes it feel fresh for you and feel new. Is that kind of how you feel when you have different uh, tourists come on your private tours? Totally, always, actually. <laughs> I mean, um, it's hard sometimes not to give for granted things that you see every day, as you said. Uh, I mean, sometimes you are just in a hurry going to the next uh, appointment, and so you don't really notice the beauty around you. But sometimes, you know, people, I mean, it, they are always fascinated by what they see, and sometimes the questions they ask or uh, the things that they notice uh, make me, you know, uh, remind me of the beauty that surrounds us. And so, and also they remind me how unique the place where I live is actually. So yes. <laughs> Venice is a very unique place. I've had the incredible opportunity to go to Venice. So I know Venice is a really special place. And I will say too, um, to caveat Venice, it is a complicated city for anyone who has never gone to Venice. I know it's you know, I know for me, Google Maps didn't work. Um, I'm curious, is that, is that is that a myth? Is that, am I crazy no. for saying that? But it, I'm curious, what is the thought process or why is Google Maps not, why doesn't it not work in Venice? <laughs> is there a reason or is it just because? I'm very intrigued by this. Well, it's not you, first of all. I want you to know that. (laughs) It's actually everybody's problem, especially when they first get here. So it's normal. I mean, the city is like a maze, you know, and so it's not like New York. It doesn't have any regular like grades that you can actually follow. So I think that's the reason why Google Maps does not work. But there's a trick. Um, So you just don't need to start the navigator uh, while using Google Maps. So the, the secret is just uh, following the arrow, moving on the map, and uh, it will update while you walk. So That is a really, hot tip. Yeah. That is the best hot tip I've learned. So I, I love that. And for anyone listening to this, thinking about Venice or going to Venice, that is crucial. So I love that. Um, but I want to get into your business. So becoming a tour guide, did you work for other tour guides before you started your business or did you just kind of go into your business and do your own thing? Second one you said. So I basically just started um, 
contacting, you know, some tour operators first, travel agencies locally. But uh, it was kind of complicated, especially if you are, you know, young, you just started, they already have their contacts that they have been using for the last 40 years. But actually, uh, internet and all the online platforms helped me a lot because I was able to create my own profile on a couple of them. And so people could really get in touch with me directly and uh, um, getting to know me a little before actually meeting me. So they could get to know a little bit about my story, about my background, about my passions. And then they could also ask me to create a customized tour for them. And so I think it's important to give people the chance to, you know, uh, meet the person before actually meeting uh, the person because they can uh, create a connection before you meet. And that really helps a lot. But also then I actually created my uh, own website um, just to give people the chance to get in touch without any mediation. And also my um, social uh, medias actually are really useful now. I have uh, plenty of followers on Instagram and a lot of people actually got in touch uh, with me uh, thanks to the direct messages on Instagram. Also, I used to post videos on YouTube that I also posted on Instagram. And so they really, you know, got a sort of introduction to what the tour would have been when they met me. And so um, they could uh, see me, they could uh, hear how I was speaking. And so that really helped me a lot. That's huge. And I don't think enough tour guides do that. Um, I think, of course, people kind of post on social. I've looked through tour guides. I don't even see them posting on social. Some of them haven't posted in five, six years. So the fact that you're going above and beyond expectations of you know, what you're doing versus other tour guides, I think that's such a testament to you and to get the word out there, right? To tell people that you exist. And the way to do that is through social media platforms. So I will say definitely well done to you because that's, that's not easy. And in terms of your tours, do you, I'd love to know, you offer public tours, do you offer private tours, custom tours? What type of tours specifically do you offer? Uh, any, uh, actually. So I really <laughs> offer private tours. So I, I mainly get in touch with like uh, couples or families, but it actually happens sometimes to, you know, get in touch with uh, just one person that is trying to organize a trip for a group of people. And also, um, I mean, I offer custom tours. So there's, uh, you know, newbies that have never been to Venice before. And so they just want to get an introduction to the city, knowing uh, just, so, you know, some basic tips to get the best out of, it, of their stay. But there's also people who has been here before several times. And so they want to do something more like uh, exclusive, something different, something that they couldn't do without a tour guide. And so I try to find, you know, some local venues, uh, local activities to support and uh, people usually enjoy that kind of thing. I love that. And when you mention exclusive tours to do just with a tour guide, are you able to name some of those? Because again, going to Venice, I've walked through and there's certain things you can do on your own ish, but I'm curious to hear what 
exclusivity you have as a tour guide versus just any tourist walking around Venice? Of course. So, well, uh, for example, one of my best selling tours is the so-called highlights and hidden gems. And during that tour, for example, I also take people to uh, the only gondola yard in Venice. Uh, So it's basically a place where they still build gondolas and uh, they still restore them. So um, since I know the owners, we actually have the chance to go inside, speak with the person who builds the gondolas and uh, uh, is the the so-called master of the axe. That's how (laughs) it's called (laughs) here. (laughs) And so people is really fascinated, you know, because when people think about Venice, they always think about gondolas, but it's become also like a sort of cliche sometimes, I think. So uh, getting to know all the secrets behind the construction of such a beautiful boat actually makes them appreciate the experience even more if they ever decide to do a gondola ride when they are in town. That's super cool. Yeah. And I rode a gondola myself and I know it's a really cool experience, but to actually see how they're made, that is such a different appreciation, you know, to go there. Is that the only place that makes gondolas in Venice or are there other places that make them? It's not. There are others, but this is the only one that actually still uses the same ancient techniques that they used to use centuries ago. So it's a place that dates back to the 16th century, and they still don't use technology to build them. They are totally handmade. I could see the the sample they used to to build them. And uh, so that's why I like it, you know, because it's still traditional. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. And in terms of just talking about logistics for a second to book a tour with you, say, you know, I love to always throw in the my husband and I or, you know, the family with kids. In terms of reaching out to you directly, what is the process of booking a tour with you to give people an idea of how that works? Well, it depends. But in general, uh, they can either send me an email or um contact me through the contact form I have on my website, but I also actually have a button now to get in touch directly uh, via WhatsApp. And also they can direct message me on Instagram or Facebook. And I usually reply within like one hour or two maximum, because I think it's really important to give up feedback so people can plan their vacation in advance. And uh, once we understand what the customer wants, I uh, usually send them a link with an offer, including, of course, the several stops we will do during the tour and the price and timing and uh, everything they ask for. And then if they want to confirm the booking, they can just uh, pay a little deposit uh, via PayPal. And that's it. Oh, that's pretty easy. And in terms of the variety of tours that you offer, I've looked through your website. It looks fantastic. And you offer definitely a variety of tours. And I love that you also offer custom for anybody looking to make something totally different. But in terms of your other tours that you offer, can you name me the top three to five more popular ones and also how long they are? I'm thinking comfortable shoes, but I'm just would love to hear your thoughts around that. Yeah, totally. So, well, um, the top three bestsellers are the Kickstart Tour of Venice. So it's basically a tour that lasts two hours and uh, it takes you off the beaten track most of the time, but it will cover also the Rialto Bridge and St. Mark's Square that are of course, the main attractions of the city. So it's like a sort of little introduction to Venice. Then the second one is definitely the highlights and hidden gems that I mentioned before. 
that lasts instead three hours and uh, it's uh, off the beaten track as well, but covers different areas. Um, actually, it covers four out of six districts of the city. Um, and of course, it includes also a little break, can be a coffee break or gelato break or wine break. <laughs> That's <also laughs> something people really enjoy. <laughs> and then, of course, there's the food tours. The food tour can last usually from like two, three to four hours because, of course, I mean, I would throw in some arts and history and anecdotes. But of course, we need more time because we will stop in a few bars for local drinks and uh, the typical Venetian tapas that we call chiquetti here. And so, of course, I want people to relax and enjoy their drinks. So that's why we need a little bit more time. No, that makes sense. And I, I mean, look, I've ate in, Ita- um, in Venice, well, throughout Italy, but Venice specifically. And I have to tell you, the food in Venice and the drinks in Venice, honestly, I just get house wine because I don't think, tell me if I'm wrong, but... I don't think I've ever needed the fancy wine in Italy. I feel the house wine is just as good, if not better. You know, it just sounds wonderful. And I'd love to ask another question. So in terms of Venice is beautiful, right? You walk every corner and it's just stunning of canals and water and these beautiful buildings. Of course, the famous street is Burano Street with the rainbow houses. And of course, it's very famous. Are there other streets in Venice or other kind of hidden, I want to say hidden gems or off the beaten path places that you think people should walk down and explore that maybe aren't as well known or people just, like I said, didn't know about? Well, um, to be honest, I love, and I think this is a very uh, authentic area of the city, uh, the Dorsoduro district that is also known as the art district of Venice. It's in the south, but since there are not so many, you know, tourist venues there, there's usually nobody walking around. Even during the peak season, it's usually really empty. But I mean, it's known as the art district because of the number of uh, art galleries and craft shops that you can actually find there. So I think that walking around those narrow alleys, you can actually feel the authentic Venice. So um, that's, I think, an area that nobody should miss. And uh, If you reach the very end of the district, you will also enjoy a wonderful panoramic view over the St. Mark's Basin and St. Mark's Square. So that's definitely something that people should not miss if visiting Oh, that's great. I love the little tips because I feel Venice is such a gem of a city. But again, me going to Venice, it's definitely confusing and you can turn a wrong street and not know where you're going. But to have a little bit of an idea, um, and it's again... I would recommend to anybody to work with a tour guide in Venice, of course, Lucrezia, who is on this episode. But really, it it's so important to go with somebody because I feel it just elevates the experience. And it really, again, to have somebody as an expert, I think is just wonderful for Venice. It definitely makes the experience a lot better. It's something I wish I had. <laughs> so don't make my mistake 100%. And I'd love to go into the food in Venice. Um, like I've said, the food is incredible. Can you mention or say some of the top restaurants that you recommend? I know that's a bit hard, but I'd love to know kind of the top restaurants, but also top like, I believe Venice is known for bakeries. I could be wrong, but I know especially for seafood. Can you name me some of the best restaurants or the most hidden gem restaurants that people can check out? 
Of course. So, well, first thing you have to know is that I have a list of favorite restaurants in Venice that I usually share with all my guests. And so that's really, I think, useful to avoid the tourist traps that unfortunately are so many. Well, uh, anyway, my very, um, I think the best restaurant in town is called Antiche Carampane, that by the way, is in the former Red Lake district of the city. So interesting location as well. Uh, and it's uh, in San Paolo district. This is a restaurant that is part of the uh, association known as Ristorante della Buona Accoglienza. That is basically a company uh, of local uh, restaurant owners that only use local products, including vegetables grown in the islands of the lagoon. That I, then I actually uh, love as well Alcovo, that is also part uh, of this association. And uh, it's situated in the east end of Venice, in Castello district. But also I love uh, Aine Vodi, that is a very easygoing local osteria. Nevodi in Venetian dialect means the nephews, because uh, the owners are three cousins working with their uncle. And so they serve local food, um, seafood mainly, but also you can find some meat dishes as well. And they also have plenty of the of cicchettis for the aperitivo, so the Venetian tapas that I mentioned before, and of course, really good wine. <laughs> I'm, I'm hungry thinking about this. I'm sure <laughs> listeners are too. And in terms of wine, again, I've also mentioned before too, I love the house wine in Italy. I just think it's really good. In terms of Venice, I know Florence is known more for their Chianti red wine, um, I know more the South is mo- known more for their white wine. What's the best wine to have in Venice? I know it's ha- maybe house, but do you have any recommendations of the best wine that Venice is known for? Well, Prosecco for sure. Um, it's a um, sparkling white wine that you can find in every single osteria, every single bar. Uh, can be a little bit more mild or dry, depends on uh, what you prefer. Uh, but it's usually something that you can either have for the aperitivo or uh, if you are um, having dinner, um, especially seafood. Uh, it's uh, good with everything. And <laughs> I mean, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I mean, I don't know who would say no to Prosecco unless you really don't like Prosecco, but sounds lovely. Can you have Prosecco? Is there a, like, of course you have Prosecco for dinner, but do people drink Prosecco for breakfast? Do they have it for lunch? Like, are there any rules when it comes to certain food? I'll say in general too, in like foods or drinks, like, can you, I don't know, eat a donut in the morning and that's acceptable? Can you have seafood in the morning and that's acceptable? Like, are there any weird things that Venice is known for when it comes to quirky food or in drinks? (laughs) Well, first thing you have to know that I, is that in Venice, it's always wine o'clock. So (laughs) nobody... (laughs) will look at you in a very weird way if you ask for a glass of wine at 10.30 in the morning. That's totally fine. <laughs> and uh, so we don't really have anything like happy hour here. I mean, usually it's totally fine for us to have a glass of wine before lunch or to have it at 5 or 6 p.m. just before, you know, dinner. Even though we actually tend to have dinner a little later than in the U.S., usually around 8 p.m. And... Um, Well, uh, one thing that you should never do is ask for a cappuccino afternoon or even worse, ask for a cappuccino if you're eating seafood. That's something that Venetians won't forgive you. (laughs) No, that's good to mention that because I I just, 
I don't get that. But if you're asking for that, just don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I guess is the right answer. And I'd love to go back um, in terms of your tours and experiences for a second. I know you mentioned you talk about a little bit of history. In terms of Venice, what type of history are you talking about? Do you talk about history from back in the 17th century? Do you bring it more to modern history over the past, uh, you know, 150 years? In terms of that, what history do you talk about throughout your tours? Well, um, I usually try to start giving everybody a little, you know, historical background because I've noticed that people usually don't really know much about Venice's history. So I start from the very beginning. So foundation of the city in the 5th century and then quick overview until the uh, 18th century. So basically when the Republic of Venice fell. Um, so just a little historical introduction, and then I just give some historical information throughout the tour if it's necessary, you know, to put things in context, but try not to be, you know, too overwhelming, providing too many dates, unless people, of, of course, is really interested in uh, history, and then I can go more into depth. That makes sense. And I think when it comes to spitting out facts, people get kind of bored in a way. I think people like something in a story or they like you to bring it back to something, to some capacity. Um, so, I, I, you know, I think to give an overview is really important because you are in that location, in that city. So I think it's good to know, but I do think people, I don't want to say wander, but if you're to your point, if you're not a history buff, I don't think you're going to be so intrigued. But I'd also love to talk about your food tours as well. In terms of the, I did a food tour once in Venice mm-hmm. and he took us to some interesting places, but I'd love to know for your food tour, where are you taking people? Do you have like a particular route you go every time or do you change it up based on maybe dietary restrictions? Of course, I can adapt the tours if people have some allergies or specific needs. Um, in general, I have a few uh, favorite places that are actually the same ones where I do go with my friends when I go out for the aperitivo. Um, it also depends on what time of the day they book the tour. If it's just after lunch, maybe I try to keep it a little bit lighter. But in general, uh, I usually um, offer like four stops and uh, um, usually three of them are savory stops, as I would call them. Uh, so we try, you, you know, these chicchetti that are basically slices of bread or polenta with fish or cured meat on top, but also can be meatballs or tuna cakes um, or eggplants cakes as well. It depends a little bit on the um, special requests of the customers. Uh, also, I usually love to take them to a place that is called uh, Aqua Mais, that it's actually the only authentic uh, street food uh, shop in Venice. So there you can actually uh, try uh, small portions of the typical Venetian recipes, uh, such as, for example, the um, squid with its black ink uh, or the sardine saur. So just a little, you know, bite. And uh, then I usually try to uh, take them also to my favorite gelato place because <laughs> I've noticed that, I mean, a lot of people, especially if there are kids, uh, love to try the Italian gelato. And, uh, uh, well, I have a couple of places in Venice that I really think make a good gelato, but 
I will keep you curious, so I won't tell you the names. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That means people have to go to you and book with you. So, and gelato, I mean, anywhere in Italy, I mean, I've had gelato in Florence, I did in Rome, and I also did in Venice, and it's good everywhere. So, I'm sure you have wonderful places. And I do want to bring up a controversial question because I've I've read this, you know, in the news and you've I've just chatted with people for many years. They say in 100 years Venice is going to sink, right? Venice is not going to exist. Can you tell me your thoughts around that as someone who I would consider an expert and somebody who's lived and grown up in Venice more or less their whole life? Yeah, uh, well, honestly, this is something that concerns me a lot because it's actually happening already. I mean, um, the city has been slowly sinking for about two millimeters a year. Um, And uh, the thing is that climate change is making the water level rise everywhere, of course, but uh, this is even more evident in Venice. Um, They only began to measure the average level of the water in town in the beginning of the 1900s. But we know that since then, it's already increased of about 30 centimeters, which is quite a lot. And um, so the frequency of the high tides, for example, is increasing. The water level is rising in general during the high tides. And you might have read about it in the news when we had that very bad high tide in 2019. Um, So, yes, I mean, the only thing that is protecting the city from high tides at the moment is uh, that sort of dump, that barrier they built in the lagoon, the so-called Mose. But it's not a solution in the long term because the water level might rise more than the barrier itself. And um, closing the lagoon to protect the city from high tides could compromise the environment and the sea life because the water in the lagoon might become stagnant. So, yeah, Venice might disappear. Um, They said uh, that it might be covered in one meter of water in even less than 100 years. I've read 70 years. And um, yeah, at the moment, the thing is that we don't have any plans to try to avoid that. So it's really sad. Yeah, that's very complicated. And I would think for an incredible city like Venice, I would think there would be some type of contingency plans or something to save this city, right? It's an incredible city. It's a beautiful city. I guess that's interesting. They're not really trying to find a solution for this problem to fix. I, I, I don't know. It's just very fascinating, but it's also kind of scary too at the same time, which I'm sure anybody living there like yourself, that's terrifying. Yeah, totally. Yes. But another question I have is, of course, people view Venice from walking. I've done gondola tours. I've even done some of the boats as well. But is there another way to view Venice that's a really interesting perspective that people wouldn't think to do when it comes to Venice? Well, uh, a helicopter ride is something new that I've been trying to organize to offer on my website uh, for the next upcoming season, so 2022. Um, I think that is really fascinating. And of course, you can choose the duration of the experience. It can be only 15 minutes or half an hour. And uh, I mean, I think it gives you a better, you know, overview about the whole area. And um, it's really fascinating to see the island from up above. 
And uh, also, it's just funny, uh, you know, to see how it looks like a fish if you look it from, from the sky. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, That's always fun. That's yeah. a fun way to see it from up above. I didn't, you know, I think of America, there's outside of New York, um, plenty of helicopters and all over the U.S. too. I'd argue there's a bunch of different helicopter experiences, but I didn't know that they were in Italy. Is Venice the first place to get that or has that been around for a while? Well, um, there's this company since we have a little airport on the Lido Island and they have been starting their business a few years ago. So actually, this is not something that you can easily find throughout Italy. They started, uh, they, I think they are among the first ones starting to provide this kind of experience. Yeah. Oh, that's super cool. And in terms of the weather, so I went to Venice End of April, early May, and I remember it being a bit cold, like I'm going to say colder than I thought and rainy, but I'd love to know, is there a quote-unquote good time to go to Venice versus a not-such-a-great-time-to-go-to-Venice that you'd recommend for tourists who are interested in going? Sure. Uh, I mean, uh, usually spring, it's nice, but it's always a little, you know, it's a risk because it can be really rainy and still a little cold. Uh, I think July and August are in general the worst months to visit because it's super hot. Um, we had 38 degrees last summer that I think it's even more than 90 Fahrenheit. And so as you say, that sounds like over a hundred, I think if I do my math right. (laughs) Probably. Yes. So yeah. And it's always really humid. So it's a torture to, to, you know, walk around with that kind of weather. And so I think the best months are actually September and October because it's still warm, but not too hot, not too cold and not overcrowded. So the city, it's, you know, almost empty and the weather is so pleasant and sunny, doesn't rain. So definitely September and October. Those are some of my personal favorite times to travel to, especially to Europe. It's not super crowded. It feels like you can do everything you want to do and not feel so overwhelmed and packed with people. So I'm glad you said that because I think that is probably a really great time to go. And in terms of people doing an experience with you or a private tour with you, what do you want them to walk away with in terms of how do you want them to feel after they do one of your experiences? Do you want them to feel happy, excited? You know, what's kind of that feeling or a few words you can mention? Well, um, amazed (laughs) so (laughs) that's uh, I think the best word to describe the way I would like them to feel I mean because uh but also I would like to you know I I'd love if they felt like locals here because uh if they really uh felt like they had a true authentic uh, inside overview uh of the city but also um as regards myself, I would love uh, if they, you know, started thinking about me as a friend, as a Venetian friend. And um, actually with a lot of people that uh, I met during my tours, I'm still in touch. And uh, it's nice to, you know, uh, meet them again when they come back in town. And maybe they ask me to meet just for a glass of wine, or sometimes they just want to do another tour. So um, I just want them to feel at ease, like as if they were at home here. Oh, that's such a nice thing to say. And, you know, I've done tours myself over the years. And when you meet a really good tour guide, 
you hold them kind of close. Um, I've become friends with a bunch of mine as well, where again, to your point, I've gone back and done them. So I really love that you said that. And in terms of fun facts about Venice, Venice is such an interesting city. Is there a fun fact that you can share that many, that I'm going to say many people probably don't even know when they think of Venice? Well, um, there's a funny thing. I mean, it's fun to me at least. So um, if you go to St. Mark's Square, you will find uh, that there are two columns right at the end of the square. And centuries ago, um, they used to execute people in between those pillars. And so Venetians are really superstitious and don't want to pass in between them because we still think that this might bring you bad luck. But the funny thing is that um, uh, there's a you know, sort of Venetian moms still tell us today uh, a sentence because um, so when the prisoners were killed, they were not facing the water. They were actually facing the clock tower because the governors of Venice wanted them to see the hour of their death. And so when uh, your kid is not behaving in a proper way, uh, a Venetian mom will tell him, if you don't stop it right now, I will show you what time it is. <laughs> and so that's become part of our culture. And of course, they tell us that in Venetian dialect. And I've been told that several times in my childhood. So it's a kind of, you know, uh, part of the tradition, but also part of my childhood. So it's a uh, kind of funny. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'll say funny, but that's also kind of traumatizing, especially <laughs> tell a kid like, Hey, you know, I'm going to tell you about this and this might happen. So that's yeah, oh, you have, like, I don't want to say it because that's so traumatizing because <laughs> that's definitely really scary, but that's, yeah. that's good to know, I guess. I guess that puts them in place, right. To kind of act and be better. So I can, I can kind of weirdly see that in a very um, interesting light. But this conversation has been fantastic. Lucrezia, you've been wonderful. Your knowledge and wisdom is is so impressive of Venice. I think Venice is such a beautiful city. It's it's a big city, but not a big city, Um, especially if you know the roads. I think Venice is a fantastic city to check out. But I'd love for you to shamelessly plug away all your social, you know, where people can find you in terms of Instagram, Facebook. I know you mentioned a YouTube channel, but of course, most importantly, I want to reiterate this again to explain to people how to book you. Um, as a director on your website, as a third party, I'd love for you to plug all that away. Yeah. So, um, feel free to follow me on Instagram, Secret Venice Tour. That's the name of my account. Same as Facebook. And uh, also my website is www.secretvenicetour.com. You can get in touch with me, just sending me a message uh, via WhatsApp or iMessage or sending me an email, whatever comes easier to you. And I will make sure to answer back in a very short time. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, that's okay. I I think people understand as long as you answer them within, I'm going to say a business day, max two. Um, I think people are pretty understanding nowadays. So I don't, I won't hold that against you, right? If you didn't get back to me within two days, I would be okay with that. But I think after two days is where I'd be like, well, maybe she doesn't care. or Maybe she doesn't notice. So I think it's good you get back. I, I mean, I think sooner the better, of course, but um I think that's important that people know that you're reliable and that you can communicate and that people know where to find you and how to reach you. I think that's really important. Yes, totally. 
Well, thank you so much again, Lucrezia. You've thank been you. wonderful to be on. So this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into Travel Experiences Reimagined podcast. Click the subscribe button to learn about a new tour guide or host each week, where you'll find out more about how they got started, talking in detail about their experience, and any fun facts or tips that they'd like to share. Do you have an experience that you would like others to learn about? Whether it is a tour, excursion, adventure, or experience? Fill out our form online, on our website, at www.travelexperiencesreimagined.com for a chance to share your story and experience so others can learn more about what you have to offer. 